If you would find the verse Romans 15, 13, let me read it to you. It says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit, any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. Lord, if you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. Lord, you look at all of us today, but you see me differently. I'm your teacher, I'm your preacher. And on me is a greater judgment, a more strict judgment than anyone can place on me. And I know that, and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, his name that I preach. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to see you. I want to handle Romans 14, 13 briefly for you. Um, it is a, a blessing that we use a lot in our church. And it is a prayer. It is a prayer of the Apostle Paul. And we have hope in the Lord, and I want to speak to that for just a moment. When we talk about hope in Scripture... We're not talking about crossed fingers. We're not talking about blowing out candles on a cake. We're not talking about seeing a shooting star and then responding to it. We're talking about a firm conviction. It's not a wish. In fact, Scripture bases it as a, as a certainty, that certain of the things that we hope for, not loosely hope for, but that we hope for in the Lord. And it's key here, now may the God of hope, he is a God of hope. And he is the origin of hope and he is the object of hope. And so it is focused there. Uh, and when it comes to being our origin of hope and also our object of hope, it's, it's more, and I, I reverted back to my kids' childhood. They're 39 and soon to be 34. But in that, uh, it's more than the little engine that could, okay? It's more than I think I can, I think I can. Now, I don't, I don't have a problem with self-motivation. You got to run that last lap, you know, and you got to get that in, or I've got to get in more reps to this set of exercise, or I've got one more hour of work, you know, and I need to keep doing to be productive. I, I understand. I'm not against some self-motivation, but... Uh, I'm, not, I, I'm not going to be an advocate that our hope is in us. Our hope is not in us. Our hope is in him. And so he is the object and he is the origin of hope. Hope just didn't happen and, and then God connect to it. He is the origin. He is the beginning of hope. So our hope is in him. And in this passage, he says he is the God of hope. And here's what he does. He fills you with joy and peace in believing. You have an opportunity to believe. I, I believe as a pastor and a preacher that it's me giving you the opportunity to put your faith and trust in the Lord. And I, that part of this verse is the part that gets me the most, personally. Uh, yes, he fills us with joy and peace, but I get the chance to believe I get this wonderful opportunity to put my faith and trust in him. And then we take that faith and trust. But the God of hope also fills you with joy and peace while you are believing. And he, he says, so that you may overflow with hope by the power 
of the Holy Spirit, that you're going to overflow. It's not just going to be a feeling of hope, enjoying peace. It's going to be an overflow of it, of your faith. And uh, it's going to be an overflow, and that overflow happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, at the end of the sermon, at the end of the sermon, I'm going to challenge you again with another verse that talks about the hope that is in us. Now, it's not the end of the sermon, even though I know you hoped for it. Yeah, it's in there. You figure it out. Okay? Okay. But it is the hope that is in you. The God of hope fills us with joy and peace while we believe. And that hope overflows. And that overflow is for other people to know of the hope that is in us. And it happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, today is the last day that we give you our strategies of, we've been doing core values and mission statement and all that. But we've been giving you the big five. And the big five, we've already handled. This is just a reminder. We want to do this daily. You remember we were in Acts 2 uh, when the early church, and they did what they did that. Work this into your life daily. Your own personal worship. Fellowship with other believers. Being in the Word and the Word in you. Sharing your faith when the opportunity comes and then doing ministry or encouraging or doing something for somebody else. And we're going to hopefully make that a little easier. But today we are focusing on the hope arrow. How do you like the pulpit? Do you like the pulpit? We've, we're 25 years old and we've never had a pulpit. Now we've had stands and tables and all that. You see the logo on it, right? Let me point this direction over here. Y'all got that logo? I'm, so I'm going to start preaching. I'm just, if I'm at your section, I'm just going to aim it at you, all right? So, uh, so the, the, and the hope arrow is simple. We had major discussion about making the aesthetics, you know, and I said, I just want it simple. We're a simple group of people. Uh, we just want it simple. And I want it simple not only because we're simple, because I think doing the hope arrow is relatively simple. So we're going to deal with the hope arrow today. The big five is a daily thing. The hope arrow, we hope you accomplish that when it comes into a week. It's a strategy to reach people, to connect people to Christ, and even for you to live obediently. So let's, let's look at the beginning, the H. The H stands for have spiritual conversations. Have spiritual conversations. Look at Colossians 4, 4 through 6. In Colossians 4, Paul writes, so that I may reveal it as I am required to speak about the gospel, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, make the most of the time that you're with them. Your speech should always be gracious. You hear that? Hello, is it landing? Gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you should answer each person. And the season with salt is something may throw you off, but salt is either used as a preservative or it's used as a flavoring. And the point here is a flavoring, that your, your conversations about the Lord, we're having not just conversations, but spiritual conversations, should be so interesting that it draws people in. In other words, it, it just needs to have some flavor to it. 
that it's, it's intriguing to follow the Lord. I, I think it's one of the greatest things in the world. And his promises, watching them come true, it, it's something new all the time. We just sometimes stay in a rut or we stay in a row and we, we, we get hypnotized by that. And the whole time, the Holy Spirit is calling us to follow in another direction, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But let your conversations be gracious. We're going to hit that again in a minute. And let it, be, let it have some flavor to it. Let it have some interest as you minister and talk and have conversations with everybody else. So it, it, is, it is a go and tell. The Great Commission is to go into all the world. Go, it's a go and tell ministry. Uh, how do I do this is the question you ask. I want you to be ready for divine appointments. I want you to be ready for God putting things together and then you just simply walking in that assignment. Uh, being there. Ask the Holy Spirit for a chance to be able to be an encouragement to somebody else in your life. Uh, here, here is a way that I have taught since I've been in ministry 38 years ago. Here is a way that, it, that it, it really gets you going and to get you started. Have you ever had the Lord, and let's just say on a Monday, the Lord put somebody's name on your heart and mind on a Monday, and your to-do list is, is too much, and you're thinking about a lot of things. Like, like for example, uh, Logan's going to laugh at this, but it happens to me and him all the time. I can be talking on the phone on, in my truck to Logan safely with Bluetooth, but, and I'm headed somewhere. And I'll get so wrapped up in the conversation that I pass exactly the place where I'm headed. Does that ever happen to you? Well, it happens to me and him all the time. And I'll go, shoot. You know, he goes, did you miss it again? I go, I drove right past it again, you know, because I'm in the, I'm in the conversation. Our, our lives get really busy. All of us do, not just yours, not just mine. We all have busy lives. But look for him placing those people on your mind, say a Monday, and you just shake it off. And he places it again on your mind and heart on a Tuesday, and you shake it off. And I'm not trying to be a Swifty here, by the way. Sorry about that. Some, some of y'all drifted that way a little bit. I could feel. Uh, and so, so I, again, he puts that name on your heart and mind again on a Wednesday. I'm not going to say it this time, all right? So, but you don't act on it. Why do you think the Holy Spirit, this is how simple ministry occurs, is he gives you a name and it's to encourage them it's to pray for them, it's to give them a call, it's, it's to text them, it's just to check in. In, in funerals, which I do a lot of funerals, in funerals, I usually tell the family at the graveside because it's mainly real close friends and family that come to the graveside. And I said, listen, this is how we minister to this family in the future. Because we preachers, we're on to the next funeral, and I don't mean it to sound so, so trite, you know? We're usually on to the next funeral that comes along or whatever. And I said, when, when the Holy Spirit puts this family on your heart and mind and you're going, what? wonder how they're doing. That is a leadership of the Holy Spirit for you to contact them. So this is how we will check on the family. As he puts them on my mind, I'll call them. As he puts them on your mind, 
you call them. It becomes a simple way for you to start and it becomes a simple way for you to be able to trust the Holy Spirit. Know that he, the Holy Spirit is about divine instructions. Um, the disciples were instructed with very specific instructions. Paul was. Let me just give you a few. When, when the Lord sent out the disciples early on, he told them to go find a house of peace. And we do this everywhere in the world but here. If we send you as a missionary to some other country, the format, it doesn't matter the denomination, is that God's already working in that place. And he has a house, literally a house, that he works out of that's a house of peace. The people know them, they have influence, and you go connect with that house of peace. So if they didn't find the house of peace, he said they would go off and they would smack their sandals together and shake the dust off of it and go on until they did. He said, this is how I want you to do your work. Go find the house of peace. Begin your work there. Uh, when it comes to the disciples, more, Acts 1-8, go to Jerusalem. And he told them more once, I want you to go back to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the world. He gave them an outline. He actually gave him an outline on where to go. And the book of Acts actually follows that outline. Uh, the, Philip is at a revival in Samaria, one you pray for. I mean, it's such a revival that other disciples are hearing about it and they're traveling down there to be able to be a part of it. And then the Holy Spirit says to Philip, I want you to go to the desert. That doesn't make any sense to me. Our logic is, you want me to leave a great revival and this gathering of people and miracles that are going on to go to the desert? You and I would look at that and go, man, I just don't see the logic in that. But that's what the Holy Spirit wanted out of Philip. And so other disciples came. Philip turned it over to them. And, he, and the Holy Spirit gave Philip great instructions on how to get to the desert, only to find one person. Doesn't make sense to me that you leave a revival and a gathering of miracles to go to one person. It makes no logic, no logical sense to me. But the Holy Spirit had him to, to meet the Ethiopian eunuch, and we know him as somebody who had a place in the Queen's treasury, and he worked in the Queen's treasury, and he came to know Christ. The, you and I would go, leave a crowd for one dude? No. It doesn't make sense to me, but that's the Holy Spirit's direction. And we have no idea what happened with this man in the queen's treasury, but we know the Lord caused that to happen. One of Paul's missionary journeys, uh, he was headed to Galatia, had his team ready to go. We're taking the gospel to Galatia. Is the Lord, does he want the gospel in Galatia? The answer is yes. But it said the Holy Spirit stopped Paul and his team at least twice says the Holy Spirit was forbidding them to go there. And I'm going in my logic. Well, the gospel needs to go to Galatia. Well, the Holy Spirit's not against the gospel going to Galatia, but he wanted Paul to go to Macedonia. And so the vision of the Macedonian man came to them, and it said immediately they went to Macedonia. The Holy Spirit's plan was to go there. You remember, which we'll handle on Palm Sunday, which is coming up relatively fast, actually. And uh, the Lord comes in, the Lord is telling the disciples, go, go, to, go into the town, find this house, you'll see this colt, ask for it. 
you know, you're going to take the colt. And you're going, well, what's the big deal about taking the colt? Well, in that day and time, it would have been your truck. You know, because it was used for work and to carry and tote things and all that. And so he said, you, you will find this man. This man's going to say, why are you taking my colt? And he's going to say, tell him the Lord has need of it. And uh, he's going to let you take it. And then you bring it back. And he's going to go into Jerusalem on that colt, which was prophesied that he would. But in that, it, it said it happened. Luke wrote, he said it happened just like he said. He gave him very specific instructions. I want you to know the Holy Spirit will do the same thing with us. Just learn. Just learn. Begin here. When the Holy Spirit puts somebody on your heart and mind, don't just throw it off. Okay? Work it. Just contact them some way. And they may turn you down. I've had more than, than tons of people just say, nah, I'm not interested. Well, but I was obedient in following that out. Okay? I don't know what the Holy Spirit did past that with those people. I just know that I was obedient when it came to that. So look for that. As you have spiritual conversations, learn to ask good questions. Like people come to me all the time, they go, I was talking to somebody and they said this. I said, well, ask them why they believe that. They're asking you why you believe what you believe. If they're believing something, I usually go, well, tell me how you got there. How'd you get to where you're asking and we're having this conversation? How did that happen? Because I, I want to be able to unravel how they got to where they were, which will give me insight on what I can do with the gospel. And the gospel has power. Ask good questions. I think the count of the number of questions that Jesus asked in the gospels is over 230 questions. If you'll notice and you read the gospels, J Jesus usually answers questions with questions. So in your conversations, learn to ask really good questions. They need to be more than, well, where do you go to church? You know, it needs to be more than that. Is like, what's going on in your life? How did that happen? How did that get there? Ask really, really good questions. Your story, your story in having a spiritual conversation may come up. Your story is broken down into three seasons of your life. You may want to write this down. The first season is what my life was like before I came to Christ. Listen, you don't, you don't spend a long time on uh, how wild you were, okay? Uh, te testimonies, I grew up with spontaneous testimonies in the church, but they can be dangerous today. Uh, they, can be, they can be dangerous with all kinds of beliefs. We had a person that was going to give their testimony here, and I was just meeting with them before that, and uh, I think 90% of their testimony was how wild they were. And 10% of it was about how they came to Christ and were walking with Christ. And I, I said, we're not doing that. I said, we're not, we're not focusing on 90% of your testimony on how wild you were. So n nonetheless, that didn't happen. And in, in that picture is less than 10% should be about how wild you were. Most of our testimony ought to be about how I came to Christ and what my life is Christ with Christ is like. So there's three seasons. The first season is my life before Christ. Keep that as a minimum. Number two, how I surrendered to Christ. 
How did all that take place? How did God put that together? And number three, what has my life been like since I've been with Christ? Season two and three need to be the heaviest part of your story, not season one about how wild you were. And I, and I know we're at a time where we get mad really, really fast and we regret some things we say. And that happens to all of us, absolutely every one of us. And we're at a place now where there's a lot of angst and a lot of anger and just a lot of frustration and a lot of opinion and all kinds of things. And I just wanna tell you about your conversation. Listen to this closely. Your conversations need to be high grace and low judgment conversations. Are there things I'm against? Absolutely. Do I think there's a lot of chaos and confusion and craziness going on in our world? Absolutely. But man, I just want to tell you, I, there, there was a time I was a mess. You know what I'm saying? Do you remember that time when you were a mess? And, and how God was gracious with us. Gracious with us. And so we want to have high grace and low judgment when we have these spiritual conversations, not low grace and high judgment. Today, a lot of our conversations, if we're honest, are low grace and high judgment. It needs to be high grace and low judgment. I want them to know about the hope that is now within me. And remember in your story, the Lord is the hero. He is the hero. We're gonna handle it here soon as we get closer to Easter, but he is my Hosanna. He is my rescuer, and he can be your rescuer too. And that's what our story needs to look like, sound like, and feel like. That's how it's seasoned with salt and it has flavor. So have spiritual, crucial conversations with people, okay? Number two, the O. And I think it's providential that we have our pulpit today on the Hope Arrow, right? Uh, the O is open the scriptures. Colossians 3, 14 through 17. And above all, all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It's in you, okay? Actually, for those of you who are officials, maybe even in the football realm, uh, the word rule there means referee. Uh, and like throwing the yellow flag during the football season. That when the peace of Christ is not working in you, then the Holy Spirit throws a flag and lets you know you're, uh, you, you're, you're breaking a rule there, a principle there. Uh, let the peace, I just thought that was neat. That, that's, that's a freebie, okay? And, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Look at 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, uh, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, uh, which is through him. So we open up the scriptures. We're in them. Remember, discipleship is different from disciple-making. Disciple-making is teaching people how to follow the Lord and walk with Him in the spiritual disciplines. Discipleship is, I am in the Word, and the Word of God is in me. Look at uh, Psalm 119, 105, <clears throat> a verse that I learned as a kid. 
Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. In that day and time, uh, as the psalmist wrote this, they would have known exactly what he was talking about. They didn't have a 5,000 lumens LED light back then, which perks my interest, by the way, because I, I love lumens, I love light. Your, uh, your word is a lamp. It was a little oval lamp. It had a place for the oil and a little opening when you caught it on fire for it to burn. And so they would walk with that little, and it, that little lamp and it would give them about two steps to be able to see. So it means your word, Lord, is a lamp for my feet. And there are greater lights that help them to be able to see further, further in a distance. And, and, and your, your word is a lamp to my feet and your word is a light for my journey and my path. Uh, learn this. When you're making major decisions in your life, you know, talk to the people you need to talk to. Talk to professionals, whatever you need to do that. Get your consensus together. Find your blessing there, but go to the Word of God. You're saying, well, I don't know that the Word of God handles things today. It does. It's, it's never outdated. Go to His Word and let it, let it form you and shape you. Uh, look at Psalm 119, 10 through 13, another verse that I learned as a kid. said, I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. See, it's in you. The word is in you. Uh, Lord, may you be praised. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I proclaim all the judgments from your mouth. And so I, I hide its words. I'm in the word and the word is in me. There are times when you're planning to do something and it's just not right. It's just not what the Holy Spirit would bless for you to do. And, and, and God's word just wells up within you and raises up. Uh, I, and it, and it's, it's to guide you. It just happens, and it's incredible how the Lord does that. I know that as you're in the Word of God, pay attention to what He highlights. Just yesterday, I don't, I, my devotion time is not my sermon prep time. My devotion time is completely separate from sermon preparation. I know, I get it. I'm a man, I can multitask and go, man, I just ought to count my devotion time as my prep time. It's not. I spend time with the Lord separately from prepping for, his, for a sermon. But in that, I had a verse that recently just came to me yesterday. And I just kept reading it and reading it and reading it. And, and I, I know, I know, I know that the Lord is going to use that verse in someone's life in the next few days. It was not only raised off the page at me, I just know by living a life of following him that I, I'm gonna, it, it raised off the pages for a reason in my heart and mind, and I know I'm gonna be able to use it with somebody else. God's using it to encourage me and then somebody else. And here's what happens in that. At our church, we call that just in time, not just in case. Sometimes you do study just in case this situation pops up. We call it just in time. That when the Holy Spirit raises something up in you, pay attention because it's not only gonna speak to you, you're gonna use it with somebody else. And just learn how the Holy Spirit works even in the simplest of ways. 
You've got your reading plans. You've got your devotions. You've got Bible studies at your, at, at, at your beck and call more than you've ever had in your life. So get into opening the scriptures. Predominantly the gospels. The life of Jesus. And then you're going to be able to talk to somebody and it reminds them, it reminds you of a parable that you can share with them. Know the gospels and know them, know them well. Number three, the P, it stands for pray and listen. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. It says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request, request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We know that his peace comes to us, but how, how do I do this? Some of you are saying, let me help you out. And in my sermon, let me be your pastor for just a moment. Here's the key. Whatever tension you're going through in the moment, you give it to him. And when I say tension, I mean anxiety. If it's something, if it's a job interview and you're afraid, give him that fear. Give him that tension. If you've got a lot of question marks about things going on in your life and they're, they're causing you not to sleep, give him those things that bring that tension, that bring that tension to your life. Uh, learn to be able to do that and request to him. We cast all your cares on him, Peter wrote, because he cares for you. And the word care there actually means anxieties. So one of the keys is, what, what are you tense about? What's coming up this week that makes your blood pressure rise? Or it puts a little bit of fear in your life. Then you give that to the Lord. Remember, he's the God of hope, right? He's the origin of hope. And he's the object of our hope. You give that to him. Uh, if, if, if you've got praise and thanks for what he's done, then you give that to him. The key is whatever you're dealing with at the moment is what you take to him in prayer. Whether it's tension and anxiety or it's praise and thanks. You're going, I don't know what to pray. Well, what are you tense about? What's worrying you? What's causing you that concern? Then, then give that to him. Absolutely, literally give that. Listen, I, I, I'm not, I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know how he puts the dots together. I don't know what dots he's going to put together. But just as sure as I'm here today, all right, I know that he has a way of leading you through the seasons of your life. Some of you in seasons you don't want to leave because they're magnificent, but you'll have other seasons that aren't, and he's still the same God, and he's still providing the same leadership. You gotta follow him through it. His dots are not my dots. He doesn't connect dots like I connect dots. I've gotta put my faith and trust in him, but you got to give it to him. He becomes the God of hope, all right? Got you. All right, you got it? He becomes the God of hope. And you live, you live in that hope in him. Uh, and it becomes beautiful. I love the 1002 alarm. Haven't you loved that this week? Yeah, I figured you didn't. Uh, like the, the 1002. I love it. I'll tell you why I loved it. Because number one, it happened the other day. It went off. And I go, what in the world is that thing going off for? You know, and I look at it and I go, oh, I got to pray for laborers. You know, because that's my, that's my label. And uh, it makes me chuckle 
because I can assume if you like it or not, and I hope you do, uh, but I also have a big smile on my face because there's a really big chance that all of us together, at that time, the alarm goes off simultaneously, that whether it's a sentence prayer or it's a longer prayer, that you and I are asking the Father to provide laborers for the harvest together. Uh, we pray, we pray, and then we listen. Prayer is not the least you can do, it's the most you can do. And as we approach a Lent season, uh, we practice the Christian version of Lent. And in that, it's going to be connected to the 40 days that Jesus is in the wilderness. As we go into this, we do three things. One is we practice generosity. How, how do I bless people? Number two, we fast. And we fast from a luxury. Not, not just an item, not just what, a luxury. Something you consider a luxury. And when we fast from it, we don't want to leave that, that time or that space empty. We want to replace it with prayer and devotion. So be working on getting your devotions together, a devotion that you use, a time of prayer together. Uh, you replace it, whatever, if it's, I'm not watching so many hours of TV or I'm off social media, or it could be I'm not gonna eat this meal, whatever time you would take to eat that meal, replace it with fasting, and not only fasting, but replace it with prayer and devotions. And when you pray, we not only pray, but we listen. What is he saying to us? What is he leading me to? What is he asking me? Is he searching my life for anything that doesn't bring pleasure to him? Uh, we, we, we pray and listen. The E, we eat or engage with others or people. Uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the teaching of Jesus was around a meal, around food and around other people. Look at Matthew 9, 9 through 12. This is just to give you a picture. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew uh, sitting at the tax office and he said to him, follow me. So he got up and followed him, actually left his tax booth. Um, and uh, when the Pharisees, uh, while he was reclining at the table in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came as guests to eat with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Uh, but when he heard this, he said to them, those who are well don't need a doctor, but the sick need a doctor. So he's with them. They, a lot of what Jesus did was around a mealtime uh, with other people. You and I, that happens today. When you're doing business with people, you're, you're trying to get a contract for your company from another company. There's a lot, lot of times, let me take you out to lunch. Let me do that. Uh, there's a lot of happening and a lot of lowering people's tension when it comes around food. Uh, he taught so much around food that they even called him a glutton. Look at Matthew 11:19. He's not a glutton, but they, they, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors. He was neither a glutton or a drunkard, uh, but he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners, yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. And they saw him around people a lot, and a lot of times he's teaching around food. Even the early church went house to house. 
Uh, there's some of you, even recently, that I've, 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 uh, I've had conversations with you around a meal, and uh, it becomes a time where we are able to share and spend some time together. Do the same thing with other people. The Lord may bring that divine appointment for you to be with them or just to engage with them, walk together in a neighborhood. Uh, I know my wife does that, and uh, I know the lady that she walks with is back there, Vicki. And uh, I, you, you may want to walk and exercise together or whatever, but just connect with people in that way. Number five, the arrow. Know that you are sent by God. John 17, 18. This is the prayer of Jesus. In the prayer of Jesus, he says, as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world too. We are sent. Scripture's full of life stories and it's full of patterns and principles of sending. As you go, the Great Commission says, as you go into the world, live your life. Just go live your life and know that you are sent and you're going, well, where am I sent, preacher? Where you live, work, and play. Where you live, work, and play. I was working out the other day and uh, noticeably one of the guys that I was working out had all kinds of monitors on his body. And he, he, was, he, was, he, he was a beast, man. He was doing great, but I, I could tell that there was bandages and I could tell he's probably going through some kind of treatment. And I just remember the Holy Spirit saying to me, would you pray for him? Now, I didn't go over and mess up his routine. I just started praying for him. And later on, I was able to connect with him and get a name. And uh, we see each other fairly often. And it was just pray for him and just connect with him in some way. But the Lord keeps telling me to pray for him. And, and I do. Where, where, where do we go as we live, work, and play? You're sent. Pay attention to how the Holy Spirit does. Listen, uh, we gather to go. We don't gather to gather. We gather to go. We come together here today to worship our Lord. He's the, he's the object and the origin of our hope. He's the God of hope. And we come here to worship him, his son, and all that he has done. What righteousness you have is only because of the work of Christ himself in you. And we, we bestow that on. We are sent. And, and when we gather to go, uh, the, the picture is that a room is about 20 feet average. I know there's smaller rooms and bigger rooms. I get it. But it's usually 10 steps. And uh, 10 steps can be the difference between somebody's eternity. 10 steps. I know that you're going, when we, we talk about being sent, we think of missionaries that go across big bodies of water to other countries, which they do. God calls them there, gives them a love for those people in that culture and even their language. He does do that. But, you know, the Lord may not call you to another nation. He may just call you across the street. Or he may just ask you to walk across the room and find out their name so that privately you can pray for them. 1 Peter 3.15. I told you we would talk about the hope that is in us. But honor the Messiah Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope, for the hope that is in you. Remember, he fills us with joy and peace in believing. 
but then he overfills us and flows us with hope so that other people are able to see it, know that you are sent. Be ready for conversations. Open up the word of God. Let it, let it open you, you and it, it in you. Pray and listen, especially during this Lent season coming up. Pray and listen. Eat and engage with people. Connect with people. And then know that God sends you. It's not just full-time people in, in Christian service. He's, he sends us. And he sends you. And where do I start? Where you live, where you work, and where you play. And pay attention to that. As you pay attention to the people he puts on your heart and mind, you'll gain a confidence on how the Holy Spirit leads you. And then you'll be able to take more steps. Remember what we said at the beginning of the year, be faithful in small things. And then he will put you in charge of greater things. You're sent. Go. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for our gathering today. And we gather to worship. You're worthy of our praise and our worship we also gather to go. And you're going to send us out, Lord, in all kinds of different places. But Lord, you're sending us out not just to make livings and careers. You're sending us out to tell other people and to be ready to tell other people of the hope that we have in you and the hope that is in us that they see. Let us be messengers of this today. For you are the God of hope and you fill us and you overflow us with hope. And we thank you for that. We know that we have a bright future because of your promises. There's nothing that you can't lead us through and nothing that you won't lead us through. And our faith and trust is in you, our God of hope. It's in the name of our living hope, Jesus, that I pray. Amen. The invitation is this, whosoever will for whatever reason. Church, I'm going to ask you to stand. The team's going to lead us. Counselors, would you come and find your place here today? Will you do that? And then you come as the Holy Spirit is leading you to come. You respond.